What's going on, everybody? Just Your Opinion Man bonus episode this week. Derek Papa here, solo dolo. You're probably asking where Stephen Langford. He's a good son, had to take care of some family stuff, and we'll get him on the next episode. But for right now, we're going to give you a bonus episode where we'll do our football picks. I got Stephen to text me his football picks for week 11, talk a little bit about the Warriors, and have a great interview with KMBR's John Lund. But real quick, I want to talk about the Warriors. Holy crap. I think I'm ready to say they're back. And it's early in the season. And they haven't got Clay back yet. And James Wiseman hasn't played. And that's a good thing because they are playing well without them. And to go into Brooklyn and to beat Kevin Durant like that was very impressive. This team is reminding me of the 2015 team every time I watch them. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I think they're back. Not to the, you know, Kevin Durant days, but they are back to being themselves again. And it will only get better when Klay Thompson comes back. It will only get better when James Wiseman plays for the first time, really. But it was just very impressive. The best win they've had since Kevin Durant left the team. Amazing win. Very interesting that the Brooklyn Nets fans were giving MVP chance for Steph Curry in Kevin Durant's arena. He must not have liked that. But yeah, let's do wins or wangs for week 11 in the NFL. Who will come out on top and who will spend the next day on the pod? It's time for wins or wangs. Thank you, Elena. Elena Mansorkis, great job always voicing that segment. Let's pick some games for week 11. Starts off with Thursday Night Football as Mac Jones should have been the Niners quarterback. Just kidding. Or am I? They face off against Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons, and I don't think this is going to be a close one. I'm taking the Patriots, and Steven does as well. Then we got the Dolphins going off against the New York Jets. You got Joe Flacco starting that game, and you got Tua Tugavailoa starting for the Dolphins. I like Tua in this game. I'm taking the Dolphins. So does Steven. Does he, though? Let me double-check this. Yeah, he's taking Miami. Good. Then you got the Saints at the Eagles. Trevor Simeon trying to get his first official win as Saints starter. And uh, I'm going to take the Saints here. They were upset by the Eagles last season. Jalen Hurts beat them with Taysom Hill. I'm taking the Saints. And I think Steven is... No. Steven's taking Philly. Oh, that bastard. That crafty bastard. All right, what else we got here? We got the football team, Washington football team, going to Carolina. I'm going to Carolina in my mind. And in my mind, I don't see the Panthers winning. And I think it's kind of crazy that they're starting Cam Newton. And this is the game I wouldn't want to start if I'm Cam Newton. Because who knows Cam Newton better than his old coach, Ron Rivera. Riverboat Ron's going to throw everything he has against Cam Newton, who didn't do much. Again, in the Arizona Cardinals game last week, I know he threw a touchdown and ran for a touchdown. He did the, I'm big. But besides that, he just did some Trey Lance packages. So I think it's kind of crazy that they're starting him in front of P.J. Walker, who actually won the game for them. I'm taking the football team. And I think Steven is going against me on that one. He's taking Carolina. Figures. All right, what else we got here? The Lions got a tie. And they go off against the, when I say go off, they're going up against the Cleveland Browns. Browns got 
their ass kicked by the New England Patriots last week, so I think they're going to be angry. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns in this one, and so is Steven. The Niners coming off their big Monday night win over the L.A. Rams go across the country to face off against the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, it's a short week. No, it's a long trip. I'm still taking the Niners to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Steven is as well. Then we got the Texans up against the Titans. Eventually, the Titans will start start to fall a little bit without Derrick Henry, but not this week. I'm taking the Titans, and so does Steven. Then we got the Baltimore Ravens coming off their bad loss to the Miami Dolphins on a long week. They haven't played since last Thursday. They're up against the Chicago Bears, who haven't played since last week or two weeks ago on Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think the rest is any good for the Bears. I think the Ravens come out and beat them. But Steven disagrees with me as he's taking the Chicago Bears. Then we got... What else we got here as I'm looking up this shit on my phone? The Packers at the Vikings. Last time I checked, Aaron Rodgers has a bad toe. And that's uh, an upgrade from what everybody else was talking about him a couple weeks ago. He goes to Minnesota to take on the Vikings, and even with no Aaron Jones, I kind of like the way A.J. Dillon was running last week. The Packers' defense is pretty incredible. I'm taking the Green Bay Packers over the Vikings, and so is Steven. Indianapolis goes to Buffalo, and while I think this will be a good game, I think the Bills win it because they're the better football team. Taking the Bills, actually forgot to text Steven his pick for this one, but I'm just going to assume he's taking the Bills. And if I'm wrong, too bad. And then we go to the late game. Steven seemed very down about the Raiders and their loss to the Chiefs last week, but I think they I think that they get it done this week. I'm going with the Raiders, and so does Steven. Then we got the Arizona Cardinals going up against the Seattle Seahawks. Don't know if Kyler Murray's gonna play. He was limited in practice the last few days. And I think Russell Wilson just has to play better than he did last week. He was rusty as hell against the Green Bay Packers, but I think a week under his belt and a week with uh, more practice, I think they'll do better. And plus, it's just hard to win in Seattle, especially if you're an NFC West opponent. I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks, but Steven differs, and he's taking the Arizona Cardinals. And in the big game of the week on Fox, you got the Cowboys going up against the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs come all the way back now. They have rectified their demons from earlier in the season. I'm taking the Chiefs to beat the Cowboys, and so does Steven. Then on Sunday night, you got the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see if Ben Roethlisberger plays. We'll see if Minka Fitzpatrick plays up against the L.A. Chargers. Joey Bosa and Justin Tillery. We'll see if they play, dealing with COVID, but I think the Chargers get the the job done after laying an egg the last few weeks, and Steven agrees with me on that one. And then the Monday night game, you have the New York Giants, Kind of getting healthy, and they go up to Tampa Bay, but Tampa has had two bad losses in a row. I'm taking the Buccaneers, and so does Steven. So all in all, Steven and I have one, two, three, four different this week. So we may have a tiebreaker, which I know he hates. All right, let's get to the interview. Uh, Very happy that this guy was able to join me. Uh, Pretty much a mentor to me in radio. Uh, taught me uh, how to be goofy and uh, edgy on the radio and try to get away with it. And sometimes you don't. And that's what we talk about in this interview. I'm so glad that he had time to join me. It's the great John Lund. Enjoy. 
All right. Joining me now on Just Your Opinion, man, is the guy that I pretty much stole every bit from in radio, whether it was Truth Machine or a Caboose Pistol. This guy is a radio veteran. You can hear him on KMBR. He does the 49ers pre and post. You can also hear him on ESPN Radio nationally sometimes. And he's been pretending to laugh at my father's jokes for the last 10 years. It's John Lund. Oh, yeah. What's up, John? I can't believe I'm doing this. I just got done with a pop-up, and now I got another pop-up. <laughs> like, are you crazy? I, can't, I don't know how much I can handle it a day. I'll see how long I can I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm putting you through this. But uh, <laughs> I want to ask you, uh, I've listened to the show. I still listen. Love it. Yeah. And uh, how come you don't do the all oh, yeah anymore? I used to be your staple. You know, I came over. So your dad and I did the show over on 95.7, and then I came over there. And I, w- I didn't do it with Tom. You know, I just it wasn't something that I did because Tom, at the beginning of his show, has got a different thing. Right. He's, you know, what's shaking? And by the yep. way, if you do what's shaking, I remember a couple of times like he wouldn't be there. Like, because if it was three o'clock and there was a beer release, Tom would prioritize the beer release and then he would come <laughs> in. So if he was 10 minutes late, which I was totally cool with because he'd bring us all beer. Right. He would, And so a couple of times I'd be like, hey, what's shaking? And this, the text line, you're, you're not Tolbert. They would just lose their mind. So I, I didn't do what's shaking. It was already doing. And then when I came back, I think I did it a couple of times. And it was kind of a mixed review. Um, it, some people liked it. Some people didn't. Some people were yelling, quit screaming. And I was like, you know, yeah, I act with it. And then, but on like, on some occasions, like if it's a big, you know, big event yeah. or big day, or I'll do it like that. Because it, it was kind of an, oh, it started as kind of an ode to your dad because we would have this contest who could hold it longer in terms of, you know, he would be like, you know, touchdown. Yeah. And so back in the days, it was obviously Raiders. And so he would hold it. And then I was like, well, I can do more than that. And it's kind of started. And then people liked it. And it was cool. And it was a good way to start. Kind of gave me some energy to get going. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess just on a special occasions, I do it, but not as, you know, not as much. And then I'll get like the tweet or the text or whatever interaction where somebody will ask that, like, what, what, what happened? So I could, you know, just occasionally, on occasion. On occasion. On- and plus, you're usually hung over for every show, so you don't want to use your voice up. Yeah, exactly. I got to get through the show. Yeah, I know. And so that, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. So uh, you you do the 49ers pre and post, and we used to work together back in the day when you were doing the Raiders pre and post. But let's talk about the Niners. They have a big win on Monday night, 31 to 10 over the big, uh, glossy and fancy LA Rams. Yeah. Were, were you surprised by the outcome, or do you think it's just kind of Kyle knows how to game plan against Sean McVay and the Rams. Yeah, and plus, you know, this is a weird year, right? I mean, it's just this is the strangest year I can remember in terms of a team. Oh, they don't have a chance and they win. You know, just the last week, WFT against the Buccaneers and yep. playing the Jags this weekend. And your dad keeps bringing up the fact that this isn't a walkover game, John. <laughs> <laughs> they beat Buffalo, you know, his Bills. They beat his Bills. and so yeah, But that's happened probably, what, I mean, any better would know this two, three, four times. We're like, oh, I'll just take the favorites this week. And yeah. then they get absolutely crushed. So, you know, it's never been probably more true than any team can beat any team. But as far as the Rams go, you know, the NFC West. I mean, for some reason, the Niners have beat the Rams five times in a row. I think part of it is because I've ta- I used to interview Kyle all the time and I was with, on Tolbert's show. And I do think that he's got a bit of a thing against McVay because remember, Shanahan's the big brother and McVay's the little brother. It's not the other way around. Yeah. And so I think the thing that set him off, and I asked him about this one time, was. Remember when McVeigh did that thing where it was in a press conference and he started rattling off all these plays from different games and the internet went crazy and social media went crazy. He was like, oh, look what he could do. 
every coach in the league could do that. And so I set Kyle up and the, actually the 49ers PR were not really happy with me on this because he was on the show weekly. And usually if you did something like that, you wanted to kind of alert him, like I'm going to do this. But so we're talking, we're talking, you know how interviewing works. You do that at the end because if they get really pissed, (laughs) then you're like, see you later. And so at the end I go, look, I haven't prepped you for this. And I just took random games and I would give them a hint like, okay, you were down in this game and it was third and eight. And right away he'd go, you know, jet Z black, you know, whatever, black zebra, Hmm. you know, whatever, whatever the call was, you know, 43 wide banana, you know, whatever the call was. And just, so I would give him a hint on it and he did it like five or six times and he would expand on it. It was exactly what McVay did. And I didn't prep him at all. And then I got a call later, like, I'm glad that worked out because he was going to be pissed. And Kyle actually <laughs> liked it because it was like, it just exposed McVay, like, look, you're not wonder kid, okay? So what I think happens is, is that, because look, Debo hadn't been in the backfield. Two years ago, they weren't doing flip passes to Debo in other games. Like, I almost think it's like women in shoes. Like, they walk into a place, and we don't care about what <laughs> shoes they're wearing. But they look, other women look down, and they're like, they're doing shoes to impress other women or they're doing, you know, a certain makeup or a certain jacket or something like, we're like, whatever we wear sweats everywhere we go if we could. So they impress each other. Well, that's, I think that Kyle waits and is like, I got something for him. When's the last time Kyle went for it on a fourth and sixth? Yeah. Like, Never. So he, he, he's got a fourth and six that he's throwing to, to Debo. He's putting Debo in the backfield. He's, you know, he's doing all these different things. He's never been more dedicated to the run. I mean, I know once they got up, but, Eight of the first 10 were runs. Uh, it was in the uh, 13 of the first 18 on that drive, 22 of 30 in the first half, 44 19 for the game. So he's just like, you know what? I'm going to shove it down your throat. Then I'm going to throw a few trick plays at you. And, you know, there you go. And I'm going to show off. I just, I, I think Kyle likes to like say, look, I'm the master. You're, you know, what is it? The Jedi I didn't watch enough Star Wars. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Yeah. You're not the guy. And I think he gets up for that game. No, and I remember you bringing that up because uh, I remember you doing that interview, and I always thought that Kyle and McVeigh were close, but there's always been kind of animosity with Kyle towards McVeigh being like, yeah, I can do the same things. I just don't live in L.A., and my team doesn't go after every high-priced free agent. Yeah, and you live in L.A. You know how it works, and I, that's where oh, I yeah. grew up. And what happens is is that it's not only you have to win in L.A., but you're here with the 49ers – I guess they're competing, but in LA, you're competing. If you're the Rams, especially coming in late, like they have, we know they were there before, left, came back. But you're competing against the Dodgers, you're competing against the Lakers, you're competing yep. against all sorts of entertainment entities, which you are here in the Bay Area to a degree. But there, it's like, okay, what stars do you got? Yep. Okay. Well, you know, that's you got to bring in Stafford, you got to bring in Jalen Ramsey, you got to have Aaron Donald, you got to bring in, you got to do this, you got to bring in Vaughn Miller because you got to win, but you got to win a certain way. And that's why, I mean, McVeigh's the perfect coach for the Rams. And so they're always going to get all that pub. OBJ's, you know, they all want to go there. They want to be part of the thing. But that's in L.A. That's what you got to do. You got to win that. You got to win, but you got to win that way. Like, that's why the, the Chargers, I mean, Justin Herbert's kind of like, eh, yeah. They're never <laughs> going to get any fans. I mean, you yeah. got you got it. It's it's winning, and but it's winning with star power. If you the Lakers, the Dodgers, anybody that gets a, a, you know, a consistent crowd or consistent buzz, that's what you have to do there. You know, and yeah. I think a lot of people, they just resent it. Yeah, definitely. And I th- I'm sure it helped that Kyle uh, beat the Rams knowing that he wanted Stafford really bad in the offseason. But I'll ask you about the Niners. After that win, beating the Rams 31-10, to the presumed favorites for the NFC West, do you expect the Niners to 
go in an upwards trajectory right now, or do you think it was just a one-game thing? Let's see where it goes from here. I, see, I, I'd like to say that you could, but that was the first consistent game they've played all year. So yeah. I have no – like if they had de- – if they'll do it this week, and, and people laugh, oh, Jacksonville, they're two and seven. The difference, as you well know, is, okay, you play the Cardinals, you know them, and they get blown out mm-hmm. uh, with Colton Coy at quarterback. And then you play the Rams, and they know them, just like we just said. Now, Jacksonville – I was talking to your dad about this. I, last time he was in Jacksonville was when? The last time I was in Jacksonville was the Super Bowl. And, you know, I know exactly when Warren ago. Sapp went crazy on the field and he got thrown out of the game. There you go. So, I mean, it's been forever. So, they, yeah. they don't know Jacksonville. And I know they don't have the talent, the Rams do or anything. But, that you know, it's kind of irrelevant. You don't know the team. You haven't played against Urban Meyer. Yeah, they should win by two touchdowns. But it would also not surprise me whatsoever if, you know, I was doing post game on Sunday, and all of a sudden it was like, "Yeah, they lost." Jeez, now you know they get momentum, they lose, they get momentum. That's the first game they've played start to finish. Now they should win, and then they got Minnesota, which then you know, okay, now that's a team that's got the same record as you. You're, you know, now you're starting to roll a little bit. But I, I don't know if they can play consistent football because I haven't seen it. How much has my dad brought up the fact that they have to go to the basically the East Coast in a short week? A ton, like a, yeah, about exactly. a million times. <laughs> exactly. Which, but but good team. I mean, when, in 2019, they won. It's just not a deal. Like it's yeah. you know what that is. That's a crutch for bad teams. Like I know you're a Raiders guy. I, my son is the biggest biggest Raiders fan, probably next to you. And they they couldn't I'm win at 10 a.m. But they were bad. Yeah. Right. They were yeah. bad. So like bad teams say we can't win at 10 a.m. When Seattle was really good, Seattle would win at 10 a.m. every time. And it's yep. what it is. Is it's a you get into a certain rhythm. And you can win back there. Now, when the 49ers have won back there, what they've done is they've stayed back there. They did the, you know, the two games in a row. They've mm-hmm. done that for the last number of years. They did it to start the year, Detroit and Philly. They stayed back there. So can they go cross-country even against a bad team and win? Bad teams lose at 10 a.m., then use the 10 a.m. West start as an excuse. That's what they do. Yeah. And That's we'll see not what... an excuse. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens this week. But – uh during the draft, you were outspoken with my pops, and it was entertaining radio that you didn't want the Niners to take Mac Jones. You wanted them to take either Trey Lance, maybe Justin Fields, but just not Mac Jones. Right. And what do you think it's about that the damn current picture of him with the cigar? Is yeah, the tidy whities Yeah, exactly. It's like that can't be the guy. So looking at the QB situation now, Jimmy played a pretty good game. It was a complete game. He didn't, you know throw for four touchdowns or anything, but he commanded the offense well. What do you think about the current QB situation? Do you feel that the Niners should keep playing Jimmy, or when's the right time to play Trey Lance? Yeah, you, I mean, I think you got to keep playing him only because, I, you know, everyone everyone wants is screaming for Trey Lance, and I get it. But to go to the old ad, as everybody's talking about, he threw 318 career passes. I, You know this. I've seen – so many quarterbacks come into the league and they just, you know, they're spitting venom and then they lose all their confidence and they're gone. That's a real thing. And there is word going around. This isn't any secret that look, Trey Lance started great. And everybody from camp, your dad, Matt Mayoko, all the people who know what the heck they're talking about. were like, Hey, this kid, man, I've never seen anything like it. And that was true early in camp. Then he went to those joint practices with the chargers and they ran a couple of defenses and he, and he, I mean, dude, it was like, he, he had never seen a you know a defense before. He's throwing the ball into the stands. I mean, it was bad, and he lost confidence. And so everybody's like, play him, play him, play him. He's not ready to play. So yeah, Jimmy's limited. That that's why they drafted him third overall. That's what I think is so funny is that they drafted him a third overall because they know this, but they also knew and got the blessing from the owner that they had to wait on this kid. And then so what happens is 
like you're seeing Lawrence this weekend up and down, Justin Fields up and down. I think outside of Mac Jones, the combined record, starting record for rookie quarterbacks years, this year is 5-24. and 24. Okay, so all these hopeful franchises, Zach Wilson with the Jets, all this, got to start this guy. Zach Wilson is terrible. He's nowhere near ready to play. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields is nowhere near ready to play, although he's getting better. Like it's it's not that's not the savior be all end all. The reason why Mac Jones is doing so well is because you know this Belichick. Look at the system; he's running a ton of screens, ton of easy stuff. But he fits the system that they're running. And then as he gets older, they'll expand that. He'll get better mm-hmm. and better, better. But he's in a great situation. Um, the problem with the 49ers, let's say they have to play him, as we saw in the Arizona game, they have to run a completely different system. He can't run what Jimmy's running. So if he's starting then that whole week, not just for him, for the entire offense is different. So the offensive line is not going to be used to a guy. Okay, he, Jimmy's dropping back. Where's this guy? That's different. Um, he doesn't. Jimmy gets rid of the football very quickly now, which is he wasn't doing that earlier. But it's one, two, three, hit the back foot, the ball's gone. Trey Lance is running around. <laughs> He's not seeing it. So now it's different for the receivers. It's different for the offensive line. Look, I think Trey's going to be a good player. I don't know. I mean, I think he is. But Mac Jones is good now, so it brings pressure. And would I change the pick? No, I wouldn't change the pick yet because I don't know if Trey Lance, you know, what Trey Lance is yet. But I say this, Mac Jones is making it really hard. Your dad and I were talking about this today actually off the air. If they – Let's say Mac Jones, they pick Mac Jones, mm-hmm. which wouldn't have been popular among the faithful or anybody. Everybody would no. have lost their mind, right? No. Um, I, there was a definite divide within the decision makers, too. There were a lot of people who wanted Mac Jones. There were a lot of people who wanted Trey Lance. People can figure out, because they took Trey Lance, what people wanted Trey Lance. It's not really hard <laughs> to figure out. Exactly. So so let's say that Mac they take Mac Jones and they play that Arizona game that Trey had to play in. Okay, if they win that game – and Mac Jones is plays really well, which maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Remember, atmosphere has every has a lot to do with whether a guy's successful. So okay, he hadn't played yet. He plays in that Arizona game. They win. He plays great. Mac Jones is probably starting now, right? I mean, it's that's probably that would maybe be the difference, or maybe he's not. Maybe he just he he didn't play that well. But he's a super smart guy. Makes a lot of good decisions. Gets the ball in the right hands. He could run Kyle's offense. He's incredibly smart. They wouldn't have to play anything different than Jimmy. But I think a lot of people thought, okay, well, he, is he just a major, major upgrade over what Jimmy is now? I don't know. Most likely. I mean, I would ask you, like, do you even think Jimmy's on the roster if they took Mac Jones third overall? I mean, they don't owe him any, they don't owe him any more money. So, again, if Mac Jones is on the roster, does he win the position in preseason? Maybe. And then at that point, what you can do is – you can move Jimmy then. You can say, Jimmy, take a pay cut down to $5 million or whatever it is you want to do. Um, at the trade deadline, New Orleans had lost their quarterback. Yep. And that was the only way I saw Jimmy off the roster was if a team that thought it was going to contend loses somebody before the deadline. So New Orleans loses Jameis. And you're thinking to yourself, well, could Jimmy go? Well, I think if Mac Jones is on this roster, yeah, he's probably gone. Yeah, um, trade Lance, they couldn't trade him. They couldn't trade him with Trey Lance on the roster. He's just, I mean, I, again, I know everybody's going to scream and yell for him. Yeah. If Jimmy sucks this weekend, they lose to Jacksonville and they go to four and six, everyone's going to lose their mind yeah. to play Trey Lance. And I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to do it until they are literally out of this thing. And then the question becomes, okay, he's got to play because he doesn't have any experience, but how do you get him experience? And everyone wants him to be like Cam Newton, you know, like Cam Newton was against Arizona this last weekend, which, okay, I'm fine with that. It's just, Last week, when you go on an 18-play drive, you're crushing the Rams. 
when exactly you're going to put him in. Yeah. And I, I, I think that the rumors of Jimmy Garoppolo going back to the Patriots were legit. So there probably was something in the fact that if they took Mac, that Belichick was going to come and get Jimmy if they had the cap space to do that. Yeah. But we heard, we heard different that, things. The other part that's wrong is everybody says, okay, they could have sat at 12. Well, yeah. Belichick knew. I mean, he's not stupid. So he's looking at the teams who need quarterbacks ahead of him. Once Trey, once they went one, two, three, yeah. you know, he's looking at it going, okay, if they had sat, what my point is, is if they had sat at 12, who's to say the Patriots, you know, because at that point, Mac Jones is the only guy left. All right. So you're getting to the Niners pick at 12. Belichick knows. I mean, he was mm -hmm. at the, we saw him at the Mac Jones. He knows Nick Saban really well. He wanted Mac Jones. So he sat at 15 and he looked at other teams and he said, nobody's jumping ahead of me to get Mac Jones. But if the Niners had sat at 12, he knows at that point, because Trey Lance would have been off the board. Fields is off the board. Like all these guys are off the board. The last quarterback's Mac Jones and the Niners are sitting there at 12. He probably jumps to 10, 11, wherever, wherever he has to go to get him. So it's not automatic that if the 49ers would have sat there, they would have got Mac Jones and their picks. I don't know that that's accurate. I agree with that. All right. That's Niner Talk for one day. Uh, let's no, talk. I, I can't believe you went that long on Niner Talk. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know. I I had to, I had to make you happy before I ease into the hard stuff. Uh, so you do a fantastic job uh, setting up my pops, and you work with Tolbert. You get the audience to know a lot about them, but I feel like a lot of people don't know about you. So I want to talk about you for a second. Give us your your very background. You're, maybe you're very comfortable. Yes, now. Very uncomfortable with that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you got into radio, and you, you you've been a veteran for quite some times. Uh, quite some time, you know, the other I'm cities you worked in. Yeah, you you are old, but uh, I know. just just tell me about the cities you worked in, some of your favorites, and uh, how you got to be. You're a program director, and you're yeah. while you were on air host, yeah. how you got to be where you are today. Uh, I, it's it's a crazy story, just because I, I I'm so old and I've been around so long that essentially what happened was I was writing, and a friend of mine, his name's David Locke, he's the play by play voice yeah. of the Utah Jazz. If anybody listens to like Lock any of the Locked On podcasts, he's the guy behind all that stuff. So anyway, uh, he needed. People, it, they had just got the rights to the Utah Jazz. This is 1997. And, you know, sports radio is still relatively new. I mean, you had WFAN. You had, you know, you had the major markets who had, you know, Boston's, you know, rolling and all that. Uh, and uh, KMBR's going. And so, anyway, he calls me and he says, you know, I, you know, we don't really know what we're doing. You, you want to, you know, you want to jump aboard. And so a bunch of us jumped aboard and uh, we started doing radio. And we got really lucky because the Utah Jazz just happened to be really good. And so, you know, 97, 98, just because, again, not because I was qualified, but because there was nobody else to do it. I did uh, the locker room for the Utah Jazz and I had a live mic. It was incredible. So I'm like, you know, young in my in the business. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And they're like, hey, you're going to take a live mic into the Bulls locker room with Jordan Pippen and Phil Jackson and just do what you can. And so back in those days, again, you, I mean, I have some old cassette tapes and stuff, but I'm sure it was horrible. But I'm like, hey, Michael, I'm like nervous <laughs> and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And, you know, and they have, you have an earpiece in and they're like, hey, who do you got? And it was the coolest thing because what they let me do is I was the opposing locker room. So 90 minutes before every game, we'd start a pregame show and they're like, who do you got? I mean, I'm talking to Barkley and Garnett and Olajuwon. I'm walking into their locker room because I didn't know any better. And nobody else would walk in there like, what are you doing in our locker room? And it was obviously long before COVID. So I'm talking to like anybody who's anybody, you get two, three minutes on it. And then after the game, I'm in the opposing locker room, whatever. But I got lucky because it was it was – really last dance. I mean, my second yeah. year on this beat was last dance. 
And so all that stuff they did, I mean, I was right there, you know, it was just, it was incredible. And by the end, I mean, Scotty and Michael, they, they all hated each other in that <laughs> final episode. They were all, so they're in Salt Lake city and you can actually see me. I'm like bent down when Jordan <laughs> hits that shot on the Cause I've got this headphones on. And um, so I go into the bulls locker room and, so Kerr and Bushler and, you know, all those guys, coach they're all partying in the middle. Then you had like Dennis Rodman with Carmen Electra on his lap. I literally <laughs> stood there for like two minutes and somebody had to like shake me like, dude, what are you doing? Because he had a towel on. So you got Rod, you got her sitting on his lap with like yeah. big security guards, couldn't get near him, but you could still see her. And it was like, wow. Right. And then uh, Michael's in a room with like DiCaprio and Montana. And you could see <laughs> if there was a window, but you couldn't go in. And Scotty's got people and Phil's got people and whatever. They didn't want anything to do with each other. Just it was the strangest thing. And so it was wow. cool to see that whole thing. But that was like my first thing. And then went like I've been everywhere. It's not good, but there's different <laughs> ways to do it. You stay in a market, you go everywhere, right? So I went from Salt Lake City to like Portland, Oregon, uh, went to Detroit, was doing a morning show in Detroit, running a station there. Um, that's where I met Kevin Graham, our guy that we have yep. now at KMBR. Went to Detroit. Um, where else did I went to Pittsburgh? My kid was born. Uh, left there because all they wanted to talk about was the Steelers literally 24-7. If you didn't talk about the Steelers, like it could be baseball season, right? I dare bring up the Pirates. They would call me and they had a quarterback by the name of Brian St. Pierre. He was the third string quarterback. And they'd be like, we don't care about the Pirates. Talk about Brian St. Pierre. <laughs> like they would call and yell at me like, let's talk about the Steelers third string quarterback. Right. I mean, just unreal stuff. So anyway, but I got really lucky along the way. Like the Pistons won a championship when I was there. Um, the tight, you know, the all-star game was there with the Tigers. Like, so in Detroit, I got really lucky, uh, Pittsburgh, you're talking about Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby was a rookie and Larry Fitzgerald played at Pitt when I was there as a senior. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, those are the guys you're talking to, but it shaped me because you're talking about hardcore sports towns, man. I mean, it's like, you know, where we are. And then I was in Dallas too. I did yeah. Cowboys pre and post game. I ran ESPN in Dallas. So like it gave you a great cross section of how sports fans work, right? In Detroit the more they lost, the better the ratings were. Like they would just, I mean, they were awful and the ratings went higher and higher and I'd walk in every day and the phone lines were full at 5.30 a.m. for a six o'clock start. No, you were do, you were a button pusher. So it was like, uh, Lions suck. Yeah, fire Mary Uchi, the Lions suck. Carrington is terrible. Thanks for the call, Bob. Next caller, same yeah. thing. Like for four hours, just pushing buttons so people can scream. And every day is gray and they're just angry, right? But the Pistons were really good. My first year, the Tigers won 43 games. With you know, they signed Pudge Rodriguez, so you go from there to Detroit, Dallas, same thing. Football all the time, right? It, like you dare bring up the Rangers or the Mavericks, and we carried the Mavericks. And so, and I ran the station. I worked for Mark Cuban. It was just crazy. So anyway, long story short is going from you know Detroit, Pittsburgh, places like that, Dallas. You really get a cross section of what you know fans are like, and then you come to the West, which I love the best because people get angry about the West Coast. But if the Niners, the Raiders, I think are different. But if the if the Niners lose, or the Warriors lose, or the Giants lose, or the A's lose to an extent, you know, people find other stuff to do. In Detroit, it was just people would get angry. It would yeah. bother them for a long time. Steelers, the Steelers out of the playoffs. I mean, seriously, it was documented that that beer sales and booze sales went up, and production at work went down. You know, <laughs> they just it bothered them. Yeah. You know, I mean, Monday night football in Pittsburgh started at nine o'clock. Half the people wouldn't make it in the stadium. I mean, it was just they, they were drunk. You know, I'd do pregame shows. I'd watch Ravens fans and Steeler fans just literally duke it out. We were stupid enough to give away a keg at our pregame show. And so we get people drunk, and then they'd see Ravens fans walking, like, by, 
and I'm I'm trying to talk, you know, about the game, Roethlisberger, this or that. All of a sudden, you'd see these Steeler fans who were getting drunk at our tailgate jump the fence and tackle Ravens fans for just walking by oh, and wow. fighting them. I mean, you just, you, you just don't see that. I mean, it's <laughs> incredible. Like, I mean, Raider fan, you know, Raider games are crazy, but you know this as well as I do, ha- having done you know the pre and the post and stuff with your pops and Romanowski. And stuff, nobody yeah. would come up on stage with Romanowski; they weren't crazy enough. No, but but they're respectful, like other fans. Like they're cool. They're cool. Now I was at a Patriots game one time that was wasn't so cool, but generally, I mean, that's tuck rule stuff. But yeah. Generally speaking, man, Raiders fans have a bad rap. So they do. long story too long story too long. It just gave me a really good cross section, both running stations and you know doing sports talk in those cities from Dallas to Pittsburgh to Detroit to here to you know to kind of Salt Lake City where I started of just different cross sections of 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 fans because you know Salt Lake City would take it personally if somebody left town like if a player left off the Jazz Gordon Hayward or whatever they get yeah. mad. Sacramento's that way. OKC with a cupcake thing and Durant. They get mad personally. What, you don't like our city? Durant leaves the Bay Area. And it's like, dude, that's on you. Like, you're stupid for leaving us. And they're not mad at him. They respect him and go, you know, go your own way. But they're like, you're stupid for leaving us, you know? So it's been cool because this is my favorite because we have sports and perspective here. Whereas on the East Coast and something, they use it as a badge of courage that they yeah. get pissed off, you know, and they live it and wear it all the time. So you talked about the many cities you've worked in and you've been a pre and post game host for most of those cities and most of those teams. And you have always done a good job of kind of portraying to the fan listening to the broadcast that you are a fan yourself of those teams, whether it was the Raiders or the Niners. And I know for a fact that you, you know, weren't weren't always a Niner fan. You weren't, but you do a good job of, pretending that you care i mean you you do care but it's just part of the job that you are so into the team that you have to be for the listener and in my opinion i find a lot of people now wanting to tell people like nationally like mike greenberg has to tell everybody that he's a jets fan everybody nationally has to say like who they're a fan of these days Mm -hmm. do you find that kind of unprofessional a little bit and more so that i think uh people on air should be kind of impartial yeah, well, my whole thing about about it is is that I, I just don't I, I would never um, do that because I think from a standpoint of I, first of all, when I work in a market, I want those teams to be successful because I think of it from a business standpoint. Look, it's it's good for business if the Niners are good. When we were carrying the Raiders, it was good for business if if the Raiders were good. It's good for business if the Giants win 107 games. It's good for business if the Warriors are good because for us, it makes for so you have your hardcores. The A's are a perfect example of this. They have their ten thousand fans, which I immensely respect, especially because right now they're going to hit the reset button as they always do, right? Yeah. Hang on. What are you doing? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. All good. I'm seeing this person flash. <laughs> Move along. But what you have is, I I want the teams that I cover to do well. And look, what starts happening is, you get to know those players. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, was I, I had huge, I had friends that were huge 49ers fans growing up, but I wasn't a 49ers fan. But then what happens is you start talking to these guys and you know, the guys, I know Kyle Shanahan. I'm not saying mm-hmm. we're good friends or anything like that. But when I first got here, Joe Staley was on with uh, your dad and I for years. And now he is again, but I, you know, I wanted Joe Staley to win when they lost that, when they lost Super Bowl 47, I was upset because I knew a bunch of guys on that team and I wanted them to win. So it's good for business, but what starts happening is you start to get to know guys and the teams that you grew up liking, 
you, it's not really that big of a deal anymore. And I think fans are like that too. You move to a certain region and you want, because it's community, you know, and a lot of, look, I respect people who stay with their teams. Absolutely. A's fans are like, are you kidding me? I'd last like a day as an A's fan. If you're trading <laughs> this guy, you're trading that. There's no way. And people yeah. can call that bandwagon jump in. Look, I've always said, it's like a restaurant. It's like, Hey, if you keep coming, then we'll get really good steak. But until then we're going to feed you crap. But I swear, if you just keep coming, keep feeding us money, then we're going to get better. We'll build a better stadium. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. You give us a good product. We'll follow you. I don't have to stay with you until, until you get good or I don't have to go through the heartbreak of it. But yeah, I want the teams to do good. And and I think that having the bias of this is my team, then you lose credibility because what yes. starts to happen, especially as you well know in the social media world is, well, you like this team. You like that team. I get that anyway. Like people say, you love this team. You're a homer. You hate this team. I, I get both ways. You know, it's it's amazing that way. And the other thing I hate, which is the other side of it, and your dad has always done a great job of this, which is, look, I get it. Your paycheck says whatever team you're broadcasting for. But don't insult my intelligence. You know, I want some sort of – I don't need I – don't, I don't need smoke up my ass constantly. This right. team is great, and this player is great, and this and this and this and this and this. And there are certain broadcasts in which it's hard. Like, you have to turn down the volume. I get it, and I understand you're getting pressure. And honestly – there's never been more pressure than there is right now in terms of, okay, you're, you're a marketing arm for us. M- most teams now consider the broadcasters to be marketing arms. Even the writers, because of social media, they get to know these players, these managers at a really high level, and they start to become kind of cheerleaders for them. Mm-hmm. Look, as a radio guy, we've, we kind of, I don't know, I don't know how you think, how you view it. But beat guys have always been just, hey, I'm a beat guy yeah. and I'm I'm impartial and I'm going to write those stories. It's harder and harder. The line gets more blurred and more blurred. And then the teams can take away things from you and, you know, things can happen. But team broadcasters, it's one of the most difficult positions to be in because when I, I'll give you a great example. When I was in Detroit, there was a guy named Mark Champion, amazing mm-hmm. broadcaster. And look, the Lions are 0-16. They're 2-14. and They're terrible. Joey Harrington threw this interception one time and champion just went, Joey, what are you doing? He <laughs> just had enough years and years and years of the lions being so bad. He just lost it. Guy gets fired. Well, I had called him. He was in Florida. We were on the air. We're doing a morning show. He was in Florida. He didn't even know. I called him and I go, Hey man, Mark, will you come on the show and talk about you getting fired? He goes, what? And I'm like, you didn't know. Oh, <laughs> wow. Before social media, really. And he comes on. He was gracious enough. And now Dan Miller, he's a great broadcaster, yeah. uh, Fox guy. He does the Lions. He's done the Lions for years now. But if you listen to his broadcast, they're a lot different than what Mark Champion's broadcasts were. And that's just over the years what it's become is that the teams look at you and then they say, look, you're a marketing arm for us. And if right. you won't, you know, and, and again, look, there's a lot of teams, too. And the 49ers are this way with your dad. The Raiders were this way with your dad. Mm-hmm. They allow you leeway. No question about it. But the way it used to be and the way it is now is different. You, 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 you cannot as a team employee, as a broadcaster, say certain things that you used to be able to say. You just, as a, as a play by play, as an analyst, as a, you just can't because you're just yeah. not, you're not going to be around long because they want you to market for their team. Exactly. And that's why it always makes me laugh when my dad says, Oh, I'm still a Bills fan. And like the Bills play the Niners, the Raiders. Oh, I'm so torn. He's not torn. <laughs> Dude, it's paying the bills. I mean, exactly. Anybody, if I ever Literally. get that from somebody, if I ever get that from somebody, it's like, look, I, I'm paying the bills. Yeah, I'm paying the bills. And you do. Let's be honest. I, I, 
I really want to be as honest as I possibly can be. And probably earlier in my career, I was a little more venomous than I am now. Mm-hmm. But at times, you've got, I have to weigh things and say, okay, how venomous should I be here? You know what I mean? I, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm going to be truthful because that's the only way I know how to be. I'm going to be truthful. But we all know being in this business a long time, there are certain things behind the scenes that we know, certain things, you know, yeah. it's going to come out anyway. I don't have to be the, you know, it used to be such a big deal to break every story, right? I got to yeah. break the story and break the story. It's yep. more the reaction to the story now. You know, that's basically what it is, is that, okay, here's a story. How's, you know, well, that's what I try to do every day with your dad. Yeah. You're, Greg Papa has a, a big name and deservedly so in this market. Part of our show is me getting the hell out of the way because people want to know his opinion on what's going on. And so that's what I try to do. I try to set him up and say, okay, what's your opinion on this? Well, that's what everybody wants to know from credible sources. You know, yeah. what, what does this guy think of the story or from jackass wild sources like Stephen a screaming a who's just, he's going to say the craziest thing. And I got to tune in. So there's different ways to do it. It's certainly, as you all know, it's changed over the years. Yes. It's, you know, accuracy is a lot less important. And how you deliver the opinion seems to be more important than the actual accuracy of the opinion or credibility of the opinion. Yep. Uh, perfect. That's why you're the best at what you do, because you lead in, right into my question. What do you think about the current state of sports journalism? Do you think it's all just hot takes and people trying to get noticed on Twitter and screaming A, just saying dumb shit on what his show? Yeah. Like I, he, He's probably a great guy, but is it also just kind of like playing a character on TV or the yeah. radio? And I get it, man. I get it. And I'm, I'm not get off your lawn guy. You know, I'm not. Um, but I think there needs to be there and there will be a reset at some point. But look, I get it because of social media, uh, because everybody's trying to market themselves, because it's so crowded now. I mean, everybody's, do, you know, everybody's doing something. And so what happens is you have to differentiate yourself. But what you have to do as a broadcaster, then in my position is you have to decide you know, who's telling the truth and who's not. And that's why guys like, you know, Schefter and Woj and all these people become really, really important because you have to know who to believe and who not to. Because when I first got into business, you could pretty much say whatever. There were certain people who had certain opinions, whatever. You could pretty much, you know, now you've just got to, you just have to be discerning, but in who you're going to listen to, because what's funny is, and people don't realize this, just because somebody said something, and I'm not talking about screaming A or anything like that. I'm talking yeah. about organizations because they know how to manipulate it too. They leak it to certain people. Look, when you hear rumors, hey, this like free agency in baseball is going on right now. Hey, mm-hmm. this team's interested. That team's interested. It's an agent. Like, can can we go through all these codes yeah. and decide and uh, and make people understand that? Hey, did you see where the Giants or the A's or whatever it is, the team or the Dodgers, they're interested in this guy? Like, I'll give you a great example. Corey Seager. Mm-hmm. His, I don't know who his agent is. But he's like, hey, it's between the Yankees and the Dodgers. Everybody wants it to be between the Yankees. Throw the Red Sox in there. Like, you're trying to leverage it up. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, it's, it, that's not coming from a credible source. That's an agent trying to jack the market. So everybody's kind of got to understand where things are going. But just back to your original question. Look, I'm all for entertainment. I like to entertain. I like to have fun. I like, You know what I mean? I like hot takes and all that kind of stuff. But when, it, when that's all you're doing and you become predictable – I'm not, look, I remember, I'm so old that I remember you, when you could call Stephen A at his house when he was working for the Philadelphia Inquirer and, in, in, you know, whether it was I was in Utah or Portland or wherever, I could say, hey, man, can I get you five minutes for the pregame show? And he mm-hmm. would actually talk about the 76ers and it was, you know, and he didn't scream, I swear to God. He didn't <laughs> scream one time. He just talked normally. 
Yeah. And now it's become the volume of your voice. Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins yeah. shouldn't have a job. He's a jackass. But he's <laughs> but I'll give him this because you got to make a living and it's not. I mean, he, I'm sure he made enough money to live off. Yeah. But essentially, ESPN has gone to him, and this is more ESPN's fault than anybody else. Uh, but ESPN went to him and just basically said, "Will you say anything for this amount of money?" No. How about this amount? How about this amount? Oh yeah, okay, I'll say anything to that. Nothing credible comes out of his mouth, and then what happens is people reference it, and mm-hmm. then it becomes some sort of like. Kendrick said this, Kendrick said that, Screaming A said this, Screaming A said that. Like, there are certain people who we know are just going to say jackass things, but that's their bit. And yeah. everybody in the media has a thing, right? Okay, the beat writer needs this, the TV guy needs, a, you know, an eight-second funny cut, the radio guy needs that. You know, everybody's got their thing. And I think everybody knows kind of, it's almost like we all fall into a trap, though, like soap opera, right? So yeah. Screaming A says something, and you think to yourself, I'm not going to relay that. And I kind of have a rule on my, on our show. I don't really, again, nothing against him. He's got a bit. I respect it. He makes a lot of money, but I don't reference anything he says on my show because I don't care. Like he's, cause he's not being real. Like he doesn't really believe that, you know, none of these guys do skip or, you know, and I like Shannon Sharp. I know your dad had a big rift with Shannon. Then we had him on at the Super Bowl in Arizona and they, they were like best buddies. I wanted to vomit. And they were like friends, but uh, it's like, dude, he was still the Raven that took it. How many yards against the Raven? Oh that, God. That's yeah. the same guy. But, um, but you know, he's become that. And so it's like, you know, again, he's a really smart guy, but they pay him a lot of money to basically say, you take this side, I'll take that side. You know, that's, I mean, he has no credibility, but I bet he makes 5 million bucks a year. And for 5 million bucks, what one of us in the media won't allow in a pre-show meeting you take this side, you take that side, you take this side, you take that. It doesn't matter how much jackassery or how stupid it sounds, because if you're going to pay these guys enough money, they'll say whatever you want. Yeah. Right? No, and you guys were talking about the other day with Charles Barkley. Draymond was talking about him on the Manning cast. And when you have you, if you ever met Charles or talked to him on the phone, he's the nicest guy. And then he plays this character. He is. Yeah. It's the same thing. But again, it, it, for him, like, you know, it, we talk about him all the time. I love that show. Yeah. And your dad's kind of a little bit different on it. And I understand a lot of people are like, I want a more hardcore or one more to me. I'm looking for entertainment. And again, everybody knows what to think of Charles. I mean, mm-hmm. for how many years do you say a jump shooting team's never going to win? Well, that's what yeah. any, every team's a jump shooting team now. So <laughs> exactly. You know, everybody's old school. My era was the best. I know what to, when I'm going to tune into to TNT inside the NBA, I know what I'm going to get. It's hilarious. It's funny. And, you know, yeah. some people are like, well, Kenny has credibility. Well, Kenny's screwing around, too. There's no show that's even close to that. Like, ESPN's tried to put together a show. It's horrible. No. Why do you think Draymond was on the Manning cast the other day? Because ESPN's trying to grease the skids because you start looking at guys who could make a difference and make people watch. Draymond's that. So TNT and ESPN are going to have a fight down, down the line. Oh, When, when Richard Sherman a- decides to hang it up, there's going to be a fight there. He's going to be yep. either on First Take or one of those shows. You know, he's going to be that kind of a guy. So you can see the guys who are, are going to be that. But the reason why Draymond was on the other night is because ESPN saying, okay, if we really want to compete from in the next generation of NBA players that actually maybe have that kind of a show, that's the, that's the guy we got to have. Real quick, I've been talking about this on the podcast with my, my co-host, Steven, and I've been talking about it with my, my pops. You've watched the Manning cast pretty much every week. Do you think that this is going to be something that goes on, or do you think that this is so big that Peyton Manning has to be a part of the broadcast eventually. 
the actual broadcast. I've, I've loved this kind of stuff forever. The college, college football has done this way before the Mannings, and they would have the multicast. They still do it. I remember Gruden was on it. They have one where just yep. college coaches on it. They had it one year. It was like Jay Billis and Bill Walton were on it. Like, yep. it's, you know, you and I just, we didn't really hit on this part of it, but it's the platforms now in media. You've mm-hmm. got to reach everybody in every way. So if you, if, if you're a casual fan and you just think Bill Walton's funny, then you'll tune into that one. If you really want hardcore, the coaches will give you that. Um, what I guess I don't understand with the Manning cast, I love it. I don't need a play-by-play. I don't need, and I'm not a Steve Levy fan. Nothing against him. I think he's, I'm not either. He's an incredibly talented broadcaster. I'm just not a fan yeah. of him in that particular place. But I don't need play-by-play guys. I can see the game. So, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not all that particularly smart, but I I don't need a play-by-play guy. I go to games all the time. There's not a play-by-play guy there. Yeah. So, um. I, I enjoy those guys and their insights and I enjoy the humor and I do enjoy Phil Mickelson and the different people. And I liked Draymond the other day. And I liked when Brady came on and they were just giving each other grief and it was funny. Like I don't need, I'm watching the game and I'm fine with it. And I think, I think it's the future in that. First of all, they have so many technical difficulties, so they have to yeah. clean all that up. And you know that better than I do the behind the scenes stuff. It's like, you know, Draymond came on the other day and his microphone yeah. went on his yeah. shirt. He's trying to fix it. And I think that was maybe they did that on purpose because he was trying to promote his podcast. But, <laughs> yeah, but Colin Coward, yeah. But yeah, so it's, he's a Fox guy. So it's like, well, yeah, ESPN's going to screw that up. <laughs> I'm a total conspiracy theorist. So what you've got, that's what you have. But but to me, if you can do that, I don't, again, I, what play by play guys are you tuning in for anymore? Al Michaels, Alan Chris are good. Uh, Joe Buck, I, you know, I don't hate Joe Buck like everybody else, but whatever. He's, he's not making me tune in for a game. I mean, there's very few. So if you had a cast that actually had it, I mean, we, technology nowadays is good enough to where everybody should be able to be heard. And they need to turn down the sound of the game, by the way. Turn down the sound of the game. You're, you're, you're not doing play-by-play for it so we can hear you guys because it's getting mixed with it. That's just one thing. But make sure that the audio is good enough and make sure that you know everybody knows what they're kind of – I like the off-the-cuff stuff to a point, but sometimes it's too much. But, I mean, I, it doesn't have to be Eli and Paint for me. I think down the line, basketball, if I'm the NBA, look, why wouldn't you have an alternative broadcast? Platforms are the way. You yeah. have to deliver to people. It's the same thing with us and KBR. KBR's got a massive signal. It's got an incredible brand. But the future for everything is my son's 17. He knows everything about sports, but he gets it delivered to him like a filet, right? It's like I just want the highlights of it. Yeah. I don't want to sit through all the minutiae. And that's how I, you know, I see it like that. I want to, I want it delivered to me by who I want. So I want the Mannings, you know, or whoever is going to entertain me during the game or give me some insight. Because all, all any of us are looking for is a couple of nuggets during the game so we can impress our friends later and say, hey, you know, this or this, or some stat or some nugget or some yeah. insight or some. You know, we're trying to learn something about the game. Now, if it's hardcore and this is your team and it's the Super Bowl, I could see why people didn't want to hear it. But I've heard from so many people like I don't get the Manning cast. Well, then you probably need the play-by-play of it because that's what you're used to. Yeah. But as everything evolves as it does, and media is no different, when we see more and more of this, then we'll get used to it. Because when new stuff happens, what do people do? Especially old people. Whoa! You know, your grandpa's <laughs> like, I've never used a computer, and like he's happy about it. You're like, dude, like when this becomes the norm, then people will get used to it. Now there's a lot of people who are like, Well, whoa, this this isn't this isn't right. You know, it's, we need the play by play, the color guy. And I'm not trying to put your dad out of business at all. They'll always sounds like you are, which I wouldn't mind, but, and okay. (laughs) But you know, we're always going to need that person because it it is, it's some people like to watch it like that. But I, 
I think it's interesting. Go back to college football when they started doing it. I yeah. like these different casts where you can watch different people and you can, but definitely the Manning cast needs to be tightened up. Don't you think? Oh yeah, definitely. I've been watching it. It's fun. I just, I, you know, I guess Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy are still outrating them. And I just wonder, I've been talking about it. I think eventually, you know, Al Michaels is going to leave NBC. That's why they hired Drew Brees and Tarico. And I just see probably next season it being Al Michaels, Peyton Manning, maybe Eli in the booth. But I mean, who this this is revolutionary in what they're doing. So I could see this platform staying. But there's a part of me that also thinks that the executives are like, we got to have Peyton Manning in the booth, but being part of the broadcast, doing the Tony Romo thing. Yeah, I, I the thing is, if I'm going to pay a Tony Romo that amount of money or whatever, I mean, look, Peyton Manning has so much money. He's he's at the level there's certain yeah. guys. Steph Curry's at this level. It's like. Look, I'm going to own a team. I'm going to be part of this. You know, I, I don't know right. if I see Peyton in that in that way, unless like he's doing it right now, he can kind of dictate it. So he's That's sitting true. on his couch. I mean, this is the this is the perception of it. He's sitting back and he's just watching a game and he's talking, and it's really easy for him. So I see yeah. why he would want to do that. Um, so I don't know if he would want a traditional role where Al Michaels is describing, and then he's only got ten or twelve seconds or eight That's or four true. seconds or whatever the case may be. I think he would think that was a waste of his time. You yeah, know? you're probably right. So I think he likes this, you know? No, it's on his time and the way he can dictate it. Uh, a few more questions, then I'll get you out of here. Uh, no worries. Cool. So you, you brought up the A's, and I know your son's a diehard A's and Raiders oh. fan, and I grew up that way, and obviously times change. You've been in the barrier for about 10 years now. Yep. And I just want to know, do you think – it's obviously it's hard to get ratings – talking about the Raiders and A's and that's why the Raiders left. And that's why the A's may leave. Do you think that it's better or worse for the Bay area to not have the Raiders or A's? Oh, I think, I think it's better to have them. There's no question. I the thing that bothers me in both cases is it would be just so, especially for the A's now, it'd be so cool. I would love to see them get a stadium and be able to compete financially everybody's like that. I mean, look, it's better for the Giants because it keeps them on their toes. Having competition is great. Why do you think gas stations are across from each other? Competition <laughs> is good in business. When you don't have competition, you know, then the, the – I'm not that the Giants will, especially on the Farhan, but at some point in the future, they could get lazy. Like, we've already – we've got the market cornered. People don't realize how much teams think of business because what you have is – fans are under the impression for the most part there's other there's a lot of teams who don't want to win you know the clippers or whatever though they do now with Balmer. but there are teams who don't want to win but people are under this impression that every team wants to win they want to win the business game because usually who owns them is a successful businessman and he's torn not everybody's cuban mark cuban wants to win he's he really wants to win Balmer wants to win lakeup wants to win i would say that the majority of owners aren't like that John Fisher doesn't want to win at all costs. There's no way, no. you know, obviously there's no question about that, but what I would like the A's to be able to do is compete financially. So it, they don't have to be the Yankees. They don't have to be the giants, but if they could keep, you know, the current rendition, if they could keep a Matt Olson and a Matt Chapman, and then they draft and they build and they build and all of a sudden, you know, they're competitive for free agents. It, you know, it's no fun. And I don't know how they, how they do it. And I give A's fans a ton of credit. Like I said, I don't know how you go through a rebuild. I don't I don't know how when Bob Melvin leaves town for nothing, how you can stay with your team because I would be so irate about it. I want the A's to stay and I want them I want them to build a great ballpark and I want them to compete. And I want them to put pressure on the Giants because that's good for business. I want the Raiders to be there. 
and I want them to compete financially. I want the A's to be there. I want to compete financially because we're a big enough market to support all those things. And I think that, you know, and you know this better than I do, the A's would grow their base. The Raiders would grow their base. The Raiders are a great, again, I'm telling you something you know, the Raiders are a great national brand. They mm-hmm. weren't a great local brand at the end because they had left and there's a whole generation of fans who are 49ers fans, but they could have grown that had they, because kids like my son, he grew up as a Raiders fan. He wanted an alternative to his friends all going to school, especially from a giant standpoint when they won world series in 10, 12, and 14. And they were like, giants, 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 giants. My kid is naturally a contrarian. So he was like, Nope, not going that <laughs> the same way. The same so he way. He wanted to be an ace fan. Same thing. It was like Niners, Niners, Niners. He wanted an alternative, and we're a big enough market to be able to support both. It's yeah. just that when you kept going to the Coliseum, especially from an A standpoint, you have a whole new team, you're going to lose fans. From a Raiders standpoint, you know, same kind of thing. Mark literally didn't have any money. And so after a while, losing, 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 whether you want to call that bandwagon or not, after a while it became like, what, what am I doing this for? So you have a base of incredibly hardcore and great fans, as I found out with the Raiders and the A's for those years that, that I was working at the game. And I loved those guys and those women. They were great people, but there just wasn't enough of them. But you'd be able to expand that if they could financially compete, which is what you wanted to see. Exactly. And it'll be a sad day when the A's leave eventually and the Raiders have already left. And I, I, I just, me personally, I understood why it was not uh, good business to talk about those teams. But it, it felt like, I don't know, like we have the Raiders, we have the A's, we have the Giants, we have the Warriors. It just seems like we should be talking about all these teams, but some like I'm experiencing in L.A. When you listen to the uh, local L.A. stations, they want you to talk about the Rams. They want to talk about the Dodgers. They want to talk about the Lakers. If you talk about the Clippers, the Chargers, or the Angels, you're losing. It just seems no, weird no. to me. I, I understand how business works, but mm-hmm. you're just neglecting those teams that are part of the market. Yeah, and look, like I said, I grew up there. I grew up near the Big A. I grew up in Fullerton. Yep. And I, so we had friends. You know, We used to go to Angels games all the time. And they, yeah, they didn't rival the Dodgers at all. It's always been like that. I remember a couple of years ago, we had got, we went, to, I went with my son uh, for back to back games. So we go to the Lakers on a Friday, we went to the Clippers on a Saturday. Lakers game, you know, you know how Lakers game is, man. No, it's just, yeah, you know, it's, it's a place to be. People are all decked out, Lakers gear all over the place. You know, hot, you know, there's all your stars down low. Saturday night, we go to the Clippers game. I've never been to an NBA game with less gear in my life. It was like a date night. Yeah, they, it, it really was. People were dressed nice because it was L.A. But mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I didn't I hardly saw it. if if at a normal NBA game, you know, 80 percent of people are decked out in team gear. Ten percent were decked out in Clippers. They don't have any fans. It was just it's yeah. the craziest thing that you've ever seen. And then it doesn't matter. Like you could have Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. You can have Paul George and Kawhi. It doesn't matter. Same thing in Brooklyn. You can bring Durant. It doesn't matter. You're going to get Steph Chance for MVP. They're just <laughs> it's the second team in. It yep. just that's how it works in New York. That's how it works in LA. That's how it works in the Bay Area. There is a clear difference between Big Brother and Little Brother, and Little Brother resents Big Brother, and it's like that in every market: Yankees, Mets, yep. you know, Giants, Jets. I mean, you know, go into LA. It's the same thing. Like you said, go into a sporting goods store in LA, and you'll oh, yeah. see a ton of Dodger stuff. You'll see a Mike Trout jersey. You know, you'll see a bunch of Lakers stuff and you'll see a Kawhi jersey. Like, it's just like one. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just how it is. They, they, they gravitate towards the stars and the other teams just don't really. And even not more so in LA. 
I oh, mean, yeah, 100%. LA, and that's what I mean is the Clippers get Kawhi and Paul George. You think they can compete. Mean the Angels are, you know, they're getting Trout. They have the a- unanimous AL MVP yep. and Shohei. Uh, they, you know, they bring in Syndergaard. Like, they're trying. I mean, that's what's amazing is that they can bring in the big stars and they can win at a higher level. I mean, the Clippers had, what, about a one- or a two-year opportunity until LeBron came, and then LeBron yeah. came and was like, ah, it's done. <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, man, you've been very gracious with your time, and I appreciate it. But I want to wrap up with I wrap up with this. I, you're one of the first people I've listened to in radio because my dad was doing the show. So naturally, I listened to you guys when I was living and going to school in Austin, Texas. And I started to realize that sports radio is a great mix of comedy and sports. Yep. I think in order to be a great on-air host, you have to be funny. So it does it bug the crap out of you that my dad could kill a joke just like that? <laughs> You know what's funny is so many people come up to me because I'll, I'll, I get it both ways. I from the from the hardcore sports fan, I get blamed for like dragging your dad into the gutter, which, as you well know, he can get yeah. into the gutter. He um, does it himself without me. He yeah. doesn't need me to bring him in the gutter. In fact, this will be a shock to many, but I have to pull him out many times. <laughs> people have no idea how many times we've had to dump your dad, and so like so I get that side of it, which is like, oh, you're just ruining Greg Poppy. He's very credible, and you're a <laughs> You're terrible. You're bringing him down. And then the other side of it, like you said, is, is that, you know, you have some comedy. But your dad is, and he would admit this, and this is why I can say it, is like he'll have certain days where he's he'll he'll be comedic and he'll have fun. And so I'll have a lot of people go, geez, I, I didn't know he was so funny or I didn't know. Your dad's a tremendous storyteller. He's really mm-hmm. funny. He's all these things. He'll have certain days, though, where he'll have fun and he'll have funny. And then other days where, like you said, it's like, dude, I, I – we're not playing. We are not playing today. You're not funny. Like, and, but no, you know how it usually goes is at about 10 o'clock, pretty serious. And then as the yeah. show goes on, it's like, you know, you get, yeah. it's, it's almost like, you know, when you start running, well, I don't run. I don't, that's terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to think just loosening up your muscles. You know, I, like you can tell I don't work. You, up, you, you Peloton, don't to, you? What? You, you do the Peloton, don't you? Yeah, I have the Peloton. I got to get back <laughs> on it, man. It's, it's hit and miss. I'm like Oprah, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down. Like, I yeah. get, I'm lost weight. I'm looking great. And it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm you the know? same way. And then the now the holidays way. are coming. I'm going to be like a blimp. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, it, you know, he's like when, when you work out and your muscles are tight and then you get going. So you walk on the on the treadmill for a minute and you start jogging and then you're sweating and then you're going. And that's, yeah. that's him. Like, at the beginning – he wants to make sure that he gets out all the sports takes and last night's game and, you know, yep. Steph scored 37 and that game last night, you know, he's got a stuff that he wants to talk about from the Niners game. And once he feels like he's done that, then it's like, and you know, we have a four hour show. So it's like, yeah. you know, that we do that pretty quick. And then he starts loosening up. He'll have some fun and everything like that, but it just, it kind of takes a minute, you know, oh, yeah. it takes him a minute to kind of, you know, to he's loosen gotta be up comfortable. a little bit get the muscles going, break the sweat, and he's, you know, he's good to go. Yeah. So, yeah. And when I listened to the show, when it first started, you guys, I loved it because you guys were doing Howard Stern stuff on Sports Talk Radio. It was raunchy as hell. You guys brought on guys that had sex with dolphins, and it was just classic oh, was radio. Like, Do you that think... That story with your dad. Oh, yeah. He, would, Malcolm? he wouldn't stop it. He kept bringing, yeah. we kept bringing the guy on. <laughs> yeah. like, no, we can't bring this guy on again. Oh, I forgot. Because <laughs> he goes, I forgot the money question, which was, did you consummate the relationship yes. with the dolphin? We're like, we can't bring this guy on. He's like, yeah, we're bringing him back on. It was, it's probably one of my all-time favorite moments of radio, just to ask a guy, did you have sex with a dolphin? Uh, yes, yeah. Greg, I did. We okay, brought him on for floor. one question. We're like... <laughs> What was the guy's name? Malcolm and Dolphin. Yeah, Malcolm. Brought him on Dolphin for one lover. question, which was, 
and your your dad pop was greg was so like I, we got to get back on to ask that question <laughs> like we're like no no because yeah. again it's one of those things where it's like that's that story was never like middle of the road like there were some people were like that's the funniest thing i've ever heard and then there was other people that were like oh, you guys should be kicked up you know the radio yeah freaking out and the so we were like, okay, that's done. Like that was funny, good bit, but it's over. You got, you know this. You're, com- yeah. you're a comedian. Like you know, got to know when the bit's done. <laughs> exactly. The bit at the bit at two minutes is great. The bit at two and a half minutes is it's done. But we bring the guy back on because he had to ask him a question. Oh yeah, you got to ask. So I ask you this though. I mean, I remember the show being raunchy, and you guys were able to say things and get away with it. Now we live in a PC world, and people yeah. are a lot more sensitive. Do you think that you guys? like think twice now before you say something that you might offend somebody like does, does that irk you a little bit or is like it's just the way of the world now no i think i, I think everybody has to first of all in, in any medium in any show you have to evolve you absolutely have to evolve and um i mean anybody that listens to stern he's not even close to what he used to be and no. i think part of it comes with maturity but part of it also is reading the room and in this case re, you know reading each market and yeah there's no question about it that, that things we said did your dad still says your dad's like the Charles Barkley of the market things. He says, I can't say, but, <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, you get, you, you're going to get a lot of trouble. I mean, I did a bit back in, in that I would never do now. The, the most trouble I ever got on in the air was I did a bit, you know, Dick Clark obviously mm-hmm. dropped the ball and the, and he would do the countdown. I can't remember the exact year, but I was in Detroit. It was probably Oh four Oh five. And I thought this would be funny. Again, we're on a morning show. You're trying to be a little bit crazy, whatever. So um, he wasn't doing so great. And I think it might've been the first year, second year that Ryan Seacrest was helping him out with it, but he was struggling with the countdown. He, yeah. was, 10, nine, he was a little slow with it. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be funny if we mixed up the countdown. So it would be like, you know, six, eight, four, <laughs> two. So we, we mix it up and I'm laughing. My co-host is just, I can't remember his name at the time, but he's just straight face. Like he wanted nothing to do with it. Like I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I got, I can't, I can't remember the affliction Dick Clark had off the top of my head, but um, long story short was both newspapers ran pieces. People lost their mind. I had oh, an man. issue of apology like Ron Burgundy, you know, <laughs> I mean, just totally like, I'm sorry, San Diego, you know, I just, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's lesson learned. I mean, but it, it, I also think, and I, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta push that line, but I do think also in our medium and a lot of people just won't do this anymore. And we've had many comedians on it's tough mm-hmm. being a comedian nowadays because everybody's yeah. got a phone and so what tends to happen is, is that you you say something, it's taken out of context. We all know what's going on with Chappelle right now, all these different things. I mean, it's just yep. it's really hard. So, but you have to you have to be careful. And back then I thought, well, this is a funny bit. Now, would I do that now? No, I would not do that now because you know it was a it was a lot of people got mad. Yeah. And you're just thinking, hey, I'm just trying to entertain people. This would be funny. But then a lot of people are like, hey, that's happened to me or grandfather, or, you know, I'm going through that. And you know, Dick Clark isn't was an icon you know so you're making fun of dick clark what are you thinking you know that kind of a thing yeah. but yeah I, I do think and you know this too it, you just you just have to and i'm i'm all for it you know you have to watch what you say you have to be a lot smarter your comedy has to be a lot smarter being funny you have to be a lot smarter in in you know in, in how you kind of do things and sometimes you you think to yourself can we do this bit and then you have to think about it for a minute ask a few people that's the thing is um that's dangerous for your for our show is that your dad and me were both not really good gauges of like, you know, we need somebody that's going to be like a better conscience than yeah. us. 
yeah for the show like my caller's better at that than me like we would always because i've had producers in the past you know like ogden's or uh or libby or any of those guys yeah. and they were conscious because they were like yeah go for it man that's funny i like that you know you you were you're like yeah go for it and yeah. you know and so sometimes you're like you know you get a little nervous about it. but you know I, I i know what the line is but having said that sometimes you do have to push the line and if you're not getting some people to call or some people to complain then you're not pushing the pushing it far enough you know what i mean no i agree and you definitely had an impact on me because uh as a producer after you left i always wanted to push the boundaries because with, with you not being around i thought my dad kind of he he would he would bring up you know things and say things sometimes, but I thought we were missing that edge. So you know I always ripped off you doing the caboose pistol and doing truth machine. And one of the biggest things I ever got in trouble for was it was the day that Steph Curry hurt his ankle and Madison Bumgarner broke his arm at the same time. Stormy Daniels was doing an, an interview about Trump, okay. so we put Steph Curry's ankle in the truth machine. We put Madison Bumgarner's arm in the truth machine, and then we put. Stormy Daniels' vagina in the truth machine. And that may have been the biggest, what the hell is this moment of my right. career where someone was like, you can't do this ever again. Right. Yeah, you know, and again, I, on the truth machine, definitely we we uh, we would get in trouble for things like that. What we used to do, what I originally did, I'll tell you, here, here's an alteration right here. When I originally did the truth machine years and years and years ago, what we used to do is we would take actual audio yeah. And then we would alter the audio. <laughs> and so what happened was the teams got so mad because it sounded real. Like we could, we could, you know, we could yeah, edit yeah. it so well that it sounded like the guy actually said it. And so what would happen is we would set the bit up and then it would be, you know, Joe Montana. Hey, you know, Jerry Rice was a piece of garbage. This <laughs> And it, so it made it sound like they were actually saying this because we edited it. Right. And so people didn't hear the setup or anything like that. You know how things were going in. It was kind of the beginning yeah. of social media. And so people were taking it out of context and freaking out, saying he, this guy said that and this guy said that. So we had to stop doing it because teams were calling us and they're like, you can't do that. You can't yeah. alter that audio. And I'm like, well, we said this is <laughs> this is what he was thinking. Right. They're like, no, you can't do that. So then we had to get – that's when we came up with the computer-generated thing. Right. Um, and, and we started doing it that way because teams were losing their mind. I mean, they were calling us like – because it was the actual audio. It yeah, was just yeah. like if, if somebody said, you know – He's the, you know, he's not a, or he is, he's a great player. And then we'd find something like, oh, he's, he's, he's not a, you know, he's not yeah. a good player. You yeah, know, exactly. Whatever. And so it would make it sound like they were constantly ripping their teammates and everything else. And so, you know, players would hear that too, or they'd hear it secondhand from somebody. Yeah. Then the PR guy would call us screaming like he didn't say that. We're like, no, we set it up. You know, it's a joke. Yeah. And they're like, no, you can't actually use <laughs> the audio and like alter it and, you know. Because can you imagine? I mean, you're on the NFL Network. Can you imagine? I mean, you could edit stuff easily to make yeah. guys, sound, you know, say oh. stuff that they didn't say. Oh yeah, there's so. there's there's definitely times where I've I've wanted to like, yeah. What what if we just made Derek Carr a little more a uh, little more dickish than than what he's right. what he's doing in the in the press oh, conference? He's like the nicest guy yeah, ever. Yeah, exactly. So, like you, you know, yeah, it would be hilarious, right? Like it, it would be hilarious. Devil Derek Carr, right? Like Devil <laughs> Derek Carr would be so funny because. For those who don't know, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a major Bible banger and it's totally cool. He's the nicest guy you could ever meet. I mean, after the stuff that happened to Henry Ruggs, anybody who yep. saw that press conference, I mean, the guy was amazing. But if you made him like, I remember being over in London with him when he was a rookie and he literally would sit there for an hour. Oh, yeah. And these people are asking the dumbest questions <laughs> in history. And I remember him walking away and he was a rookie and I was trying to help him. I was like, 
Derek, you don't have to stand there for an hour. Well, these guys who know nothing about football, they're clowning you. Like that's, that they're not, this isn't good. He's like, yeah, you know, and he, you know, I'm, you know, he's a nice guy. No, it's something like, oh, yeah. and, stuff. and so if you took like Derek Carr <laughs> and, you know, and edited things he said, it said, made him input like devil horns and it's devil Derek Carr time. Like, <laughs> it'd be funny. I think late night talk shows do this kind of stuff, Yeah, but you know, they don't have to answer to, you know, a PR guy calling you screaming his head off going, I heard it. You edited it. You can't do that. Yeah. So that was the original truth machine. And we stopped doing it because, yeah, we got that lasted probably a month. (laughs) They started screaming at us. I love it, though, man. Yeah, I mean, definitely you don't want to offend anybody. But like at the same time, you kind of do because it's kind of (laughs) fun. Yeah. I mean, but like you said, the society we live in from when even Greg and I started doing that show 10 years ago is a lot different than. And that's cool. I mean, like I said, I mean, look everybody's got to evolve. Everybody has got to understand, you know, we've all got to be smarter in the way that, that we approach things and, and yeah. I'm all for it, but you know, but there's a difference between being a responsible person and the, and the, and the good things that society has changed in. And then also, you know, the mentality of everybody's offended by everything. Exactly. And that's, that's the part where you're just like, can we not have any fun, but there's a line. No, I, I agree. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making jokes. It's just, you know, there is a line you have to, you have to draw it someplace. But I still think that sports talk radio is the ultimate place to, you know, talk about sports, obviously, but also like just goof around and just talk about things that, you know, you talk about with your friends. Yeah. And, and you know what? This That's what's great about this market, to be honest with you. In other markets, like I said, I've been all over the country and done sports talk and I've been here like 10 now, 10 years. And I think I know the market pretty well. Um, you can you can get away with not get away with. People will tolerate and actually embrace a lot of different kind of conversations. Now, I'll, I'll give you the, the this is the biggest change now that I think of it since I started doing this 25 years ago. You could bring up politics every once in a while. Mm. Uh, you could bring up, you know, certain things that you just can't now. I mean, you just no. can't. Um, I don't I never bring up politics. Um, I very rarely will bring up um, personal issues. Because what has happened, and really even since the pandemic, what has really happened, and really I'd even go back to like 2000, you know, uh, boy, at least 10 years, there has to be a clear divide now between sports and politics mm-hmm. and, and, and really sports and a lot of news, even if, you know, because there are so many things going on. And I have, you know, at the beginning it was like, whatever, I'll do what I want. But when you start getting just inundated with uh, with things where it's like, look, I will not listen to politics. I will not listen to vaccine talk. I will not listen mm-hmm. to, you know, and I totally respect that because the line has never been clear between what we've never been a bigger escape. I should put it like that. We've never been no, a I agree. than what we are right now because people want to be entertained and people mm-hmm. want to talk about sports. And they want sports to be fun again. And we've blurred the lines, not media wise, but just this is just how it is because you can access these players so much more now and, and into their lives, a lot of times people don't want it. You know, they, they do not want the negative. They do not want the vaccine. Don't tell me what to do. They don't want the political talk. They want to use us as the toy box and to say, you know what? We want to have fun. We flipped over to here to get a break. You know, yeah. they've got enough stuff going on in their life between, you know, what's going on with the pandemic and finances and politics and all the different negative stuff that's going on in our world that we've never had a clear line between. So I'll have fun and laugh and joke, 
and use those kind of things and funny stories and TV. And there's, yeah, you know, there's so much good TV and Netflix and all these different, you know, food and all, you know, all the different things that yeah. we talk about away from sports. And then I'll talk about sports, but about that's about it because I think that you've got that as clear a line as you've ever had because they just want us to have, you, they just want to have fun, man. And I yeah. totally get it. Cause I'm the same way. I just, I'm beat down over a lot of the things that are going on in our society. And when I choose to be informed on it, that's where I'll go. And that's what I want to hear. But when I'm not, if you mix that now in sports talk, people, I mean, they can't get to the dial fast enough. No, I 100% agree with you. And I'm kind of that way now where it's just like sports is my escape. Like there's just too much going on in the world. And I just like to not think about that stuff going on. And I really, you know, gravitated towards you, my pops during the pandemic. I was just sitting in my house just being like, what the hell am I going to do? And then just like listening to you guys every day just kind of took me away from that. So. It's yeah, tough. sports. That was, tough. It, that, that, yeah. was, that was the toughest thing. I mean, it, because you didn't know, you know, yep. it, and then we didn't have any sports and, you know, but that part was challenging and fun at the same time, because what you could do is there was a lot of different things you could do. And we came up with different, different ways to get through it. And every Wednesday we'd have John Miller on and he, you know, ask him <laughs> a question. he'd go for an hour. It was awesome. <laughs> but, you know, at the beginning it was, we were talking about the pandemic and then yeah. people made it very, very clear after a while. It's like, look, we don't care about your opinion on it. Yep. And we don't want to hear it because if I need information on it, and I was the same way, I watched, you know, the news all the time on it. And after a little bit, when I felt like I was fairly well informed on it, I just went, you know what, I'm done. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to watch, you know, old, you know, obviously last dance came on, but I was watching any kind of old sports or, yep. or Netflix or any kind of things that were coming out. And then obviously production on things stopped, but I was just like, I'm not, like, I'm done because yeah. it was, I think it was making people, obviously it was making you crazy. It was making you mental giving you problems because we're like that's enough like I, it's just negative 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 and the news talks are like this is awesome we're yeah. getting huge ratings and after a while you just had to stop watching it and that's where people are now is yeah. that they're like look this is what i come to you for and if you don't deliver it i'm gonna find somebody who does exactly and yeah you guys got me through that watching old games like i loved that uh uh, NBC Bay Area or NBC California during the yeah. pandemic was playing the 1989 World Series. It was just fun to watch that and kind of get our minds off of what was going on in the world. But uh, man, I appreciate you spending more than an hour with me talking about yeah, sports and life and radio. And uh, I thank you for letting me rip off every uh, segment you ever come came up with. <laughs> so I, I appreciate it, man. You, did is you, just, you just took it to the next level. And that's, you know, that's, that's like you said, any media, especially sports and sports radio, there's nothing new. I mean, we all do this kind of the same stuff and we put a different kind of a yeah frosting or bow or whatever on it. And we change it to ourselves. And, and that's, what's cool about it. Just you guys, I used to listen to you guys do it because it was funny, you know, it was just, we kind of messed around with it. And then, yeah. you know, different, you know, people have kind of different angles on what, how they do it, but that's always, that's this business, man. It's just, you know, you, you, you do a certain thing a certain way, you know, nothing, exactly. there's nothing innovative or new. Yeah. No, but yeah, I'm basically just taking all of your shit and just pretending <laughs> like it's fine. I have no issue with that. <laughs> Cause I stole it from somebody at some point. Exactly. Uh, That's like someone the other day was just like, Hey, I heard the truth machine in another market. It's like, yeah, dude, it's been done before. Like it's not anything yeah, new. It's like, you know, I mean, and, and that's, you know, believe me, dude, if I'm I, like, I listen to sports talk all over the country. I mean, I drive around in my car and I listen to, you know, I, I got buddies all over the country that I listen to and respect and think are great. And I try to get stuff from them and how they're doing things, yeah. and what they're saying, or if they have a bit I like, or, you know, you just steal it. And then all of a sudden it's like, somebody's <laughs> like, who stole that from who? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, you know, then I, I would say, oh, I came up with the first. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I remember Townie like being uh, 
questioned by like some dude in a different market. Like, I came up with Make the Call. And he's like, the hell are you talking about? It's just, <laughs> exactly. It, you're the first person to come up with a game show segment for yeah. a radio show. Yeah, because yeah, it's been so long and so many years. Like a lot of times you just forget. Like, did I come up with that or did I steal that? Or, you know, yeah. I mean, I generally think I stole everything. But I, just, <laughs> I don't, you know, maybe I came up with an original idea. I don't know. You know, yeah. Truth Machine, I think was, well, it could be, like I said, the original way we did it, where we did the, the editing. I think that was kind of an original thing, but maybe it wasn't. I have no idea. Yeah. If you ask Michael Urban, he says he came up with the two, but who knows? I know. <laughs> I think he's lying. He's definitely lying. Yeah. Man, I appreciate you doing this with me. Thank you so much, yeah. man. Yeah. I dig it, man. It was a good time. And it's always good to catch up with you. And uh, uh, like I said, I'm like, man, I've known you forever, man. And like I said, you and my son are like two peas in a pod, man. It's like Raiders A's. Like, <laughs> amazing. I know, man. It's 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 tough to let the Raiders stuff go. But uh, yeah, once they went to Vegas, I was I was kind of done with it. Yeah, that's rough. It that's is rough. Yeah, plus, my, plus my pop too, but yeah. Yeah, that's a, we could do a whole pot on that. Yeah, we could. We could. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. And Thanks, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully do it again sometime. You got it. Thanks, man.